It is the Christmas season, and I hope that you are enjoying it. And if you are a Grinch, man, I pray that your heart grows like three sizes and that you learn to love the lights and the joy uh, of the Christmas season. But I will admit, as Christmassy as I am, there are times when Christmas can get exhausting. Like, especially if you're, if you're climbing the ladder, hanging the lights, going to the stores, they have like extra stanchions set up in the stores right now because they, the lines are already wrapping around different sections. There's parts of Christmas that can be exhausting. And especially like, go to the first picture. If your house has to look like this, Christmas is exhausting for your husband and you and your children. If you need three Christmas trees, but three Christmas trees aren't enough, you have to decorate a Christmas tree outside of your house through the window. You've gone overboard. But this is kind of a picture of, of what people want, or at least that's what a computer thinks that we want. That's a computer-generated image, actually. It's made by artificial intelligence. Christmas trees generally don't grow out of couches, thankfully, though one of the ladies in here probably will be like, I need a Christmas tree in my couch right now. Husband, make it happen. We have an ideal even if our ideal is not realistic. And today we're going to be talking, uh, continuing our series about being home for Christmas. And we're going to take a very important passage and we're going to make sure that we apply the truth of that in the way that our home life is operating. And though I know that it's like we want this at Christmas, a lot of our houses feel more kind of like this picture right now. <laughs> And especially if we're not just talking about the look of our house, but we're talking about the feeling of our house. It's a strange thing when celebrating our Savior's birth becomes contentious within our households. It's a strange thing that happens. And so I want to make sure that we keep the priorities in our life the priorities. That in celebrating our magnificent Savior's birth, that we don't treat poorly the people that we love the most. I want to talk about how we can make sure that we do things right at home. And today's passage is going to be a familiar one, but I felt like it was a necessary reminder at this time of season. And I want to impress the importance upon it into your hearts and your minds. It's from Matt, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, if you have your Bible and you'd like to turn there. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And we'll put this up on the screen as I read it. This is Jesus teaching, and he gives this invitation. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, to bring this passage into our heart and into our home, I first have to ask you to self-analyze for just a moment and ask, what does it feel like in my household right now? Right now, is my household restful? I saw some wives looking at husbands right now. It's okay. This, pa this, this passage is for you, not for him. It's not, it's for him, it's not for her, it's for you, all right? It's for you who listens. How is home feeling? Are you feeling overextended? 
Are you feeling stressed out? Does being home for Christmas right now seem like more work than relief? If we're allowing the celebration of our Savior to disrupt the moment that he's given us right now, I just want to bring our attention to his his heartbeat for you and for your family. I want to get you back to that point where you can do all of the celebrations that you should do, but those celebrations include rest and joy and peace because this is God's intention for you. It is Christ's intention for you. The, the first part of applying this to our current situation is I want you to think about being present in the moment. Being present in the moment, because I think we have this compulsion that, like the first picture, we want an unrealistic Christmas. Like, we want the perfect Christmas. We want all things to be absolutely the best that they could possibly be in our house. And so we will raise our voice if we need to to make sure that that Christmas tree has the star in it just right, because we want things to be perfect. Or we will get upset if someone is late for Christmas dinner. I don't care that you had a, what was it? A car accident? It doesn't matter. Be on time for family dinner. Like we, we often will, because we want things to be so great, we'll allow our emotions to drag us out of the actual moment that we're in because our, our mind and our heart gets turned towards an imaginary far off moment. Now look, maybe in your future, there is a time where everything will go absolutely the way that it should, but it's probably not gonna be today. And it's probably not gonna be this Christmas. And so what I want to invite you into is to say, in this moment where things are imperfect, that I can still have peace. That in this moment where things aren't exactly the way that I would want them to be, I can still feel at rest in my soul, in my mind, in my heart, and, my, and within my family. I want you to be present in the moment that you've been given, not in the moment that you've imagined. And in Christ in his invitation that he gives to people, it's, I love just how real it is. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Now, when we think about an invitation to come stand before the Savior, if we think about God in flesh, Emmanuel, Christ come to earth, the fullness of God standing before, and he says, come to me, and he gives an invitation, we're like, we better dress up. We better stand up straight. We better have it together if I'm about to step before the Savior of the world. We have this inclination that part of an invitation from Christ would require us to get our stuff together. But the invitation that he gives, if you're weary and burdened, if you have heavy weight on your shoulders and you feel like you can't take it anymore, then you come to me. Christ's invitation for someone to move towards him, it doesn't say get yourself together and then come to me. It says come to me with your issues and your problems. And we have this desire that we, we want to set everything in its place and get everything perfect and we want to force the perfect moment. And he says, no, just come to me exactly how you are. And I would encourage you that when you look at your Christmas celebrations this, this year and as things maybe don't always go right, that you look and you say, it's okay that we're not together yet. God's at work in this household. 
God has his hand on this household and he's reshaping, he's restructuring, he's guiding, he's removing the burdens that we place on ourselves, and he's putting his yoke on us. He's guiding us. And so as things don't go perfectly, I can still be at peace. Because part of Christ's invitation, the people that he loves to draw to himself are the people that understand that they don't have it together. And he says, I will give you rest. Now, rest Rest is one of those things that we've heard of it before. But we've kind of forgotten what it is. It's like, where is the drive-through lane for rest? Like, are there microwave directions for rest? Is there next day shipping for rest? Like, how can I quickly get rest into my life? And I want to tell you, the rest that God offers you, now believe God will use a five-minute slowdown in your life, I believe, but he calls you to so much more than that. In fact, scripture calls you to, to say, there's a day of my week that is just spent on rest and worship. And you would do well to take a Sabbath for yourself. You would do well to say for you and for your household that we're gonna trust God with one of these days of the week where everything just has to stop. You know, God actually wants you to rest and I want to relieve you from a sense and a feeling of guilt for all of the things that you could accomplish and get done on a time period when you're supposed to rest. And in fact, I would want to bring into conflict within your mind the voices that you hear that says, work clean, be productive seven days a week. I want to bring that into conflict with the authority of the word of God that says, child, you need to rest. And all of the voices of guilt that you might feel of saying, we can't rest, we can't have peace because there's more to be done. You need to put that up and say, God has said that we have to rest. And it doesn't matter how clean the household if it's just contemptuous all the time. Peace is better found in a household where we honor the Lord in the way that he's called us to live and there's a few dishes in the sink. Teach your family to slow down. God wants rest, and I'll break it into the three different divisions of who you are. He wants rest in your soul. When he says, come to me, those of you who are weary and burdened, one of the, the illustrations that's written into that terminology is those who feel beaten down by all of the requirements of the law. The Old Testament law and the other precepts that they added upon it, it wore people out. And what Galatians tells us, the purpose of all of that law and the prophets were, was that it would be a tutor that pointed us towards Christ. It showed us our sin. It showed us how much we have a need for a savior. And that was its objective. And it wore people down trying to fulfill all of the tenets of the law. And so those who are trying to do it all, Jesus is saying, come to me and I'm gonna give you rest for your soul. When you come to Jesus, there should be part of your soul that understands, I don't have to achieve everything. I don't have to carry everything. I don't have to do everything because Christ is my holiness. Christ has earned forgiveness for my sins for me. Christ has done it all. And so I have no fear of being separated from God because I've been adopted into his, fam his family. I am an heir with Christ now as scripture describes me. That there is rest for my soul. And so I don't have to worry if God accepts me because he is brought me into his family. There's rest for our soul there. Christ wants rest for, for your mind. He wants you to cast all of your anxieties upon him. 
all of your worries, all of your fears. He wants you to place those on him so that there is rest for your mind. And time and time again, we're, we're told to keep the Sabbath. And we're also told in the New Testament that we're free from certain festivals and Sabbaths. And that's why we worship on the day of the resurrection, which is Sunday, instead of Sabbath, which is technically Saturday. We're not required to keep that, but we're told time and time again, there's the necessity of having rest in your life. And it was modeled by God, even in the acts of creation, that on the seventh day he rested, and so should we. There should be rest for your soul, there should be rest for your mind, there should be rest for your body. And all of that is found in Christ as you approach him. Now, he, he gives this invitation, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is the experience of getting close to Christ. It's not that you get close to him and he just continues to show you, this is what's wrong with you, this is what's wrong with you, this is what's wrong with you. It's not that he lays more burdens on your shoulder, but what he says is that when you come to him, what he's gonna do is he's gonna give you rest in exchange for your burdens. And this is why those who follow Christ in your life will tell you and try to impress upon you, spend time with the Lord. Because the more time that you spend in his presence, the more rest you feel in your soul, your mind, and your body. The greater strength that you have to follow the convictions of what scripture has taught you, that you have to slow down, that you can't accomplish all the things that everyone would like you to accomplish, that you have to slow down and have some of that rest. That, that part of the experience of getting close to him is that it, and I'll say it this way, Christ's rest, rest will break your schedule and fix your life. I, I genuinely believe this for you. That if you spent some serious time praying about your schedule and your day as you started it, there would be some things that God would be like, that's good, that's a good thing, that's a good idea, but you can't do that today. It's a, it's a great ambition. You want to tackle cleaning out the garage. That's awesome. It's a great thing to do, not today. You want to take the kids all those places? It's a great thing to do, not today. You want to finish up that project to work and stay a couple hours after work today before you head home? That's a great ambition, not today. It's an interesting thing when you look in Scripture and you see the way that Jesus did his life in the Gospel of Luke um, chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, it describes Jesus' ministry. And though he was telling people not to spread the word of the, of the things and the miracles he was doing, word got out and crowds were gathering. And then verse 16 says, but Jesus would slip away to isolated places to pray. I mean, we see this in different contexts. Jesus was going through a town and he was just traveling through and he wasn't stopping to perform any miracles. And a woman who had an ongoing issue, she went and she like grabbed a hold of just the, the hem of his garment and experienced healing. He wasn't stopping to heal people who needed healing. This is gonna be tough for our culture's mind to wrap around. Jesus was passing by needs without meeting them. Jesus was leaving crowds who had verifiable needs and he was leaving their needs behind to go out and pray. And this seems like a strange concept because Jesus could have been much more successful, successful if he would have just followed our work week instructions. He could have touched more lives. He could have done more things. He could have impacted 
more people if he would have gotten over this sensation that he needed to get away by himself and pray to his heavenly father. Now, you know that I'm being ridiculous in the way that I describe this, but I think that we've been ridiculous in the way that we've lived out our weeks. If Jesus needed to stop productivity to get out and pray by himself, if Jesus needed that, how much more do you need that? If he had to hit the pause button on getting things done so that he could continue to be who he needed to be, how much more so do you need that in your life? And this shouldn't be a burden. This should be a relief. This shouldn't be a weight on your shoulder. This should be you saying, okay, I understand I can't get to all of the things that I think I should get to, but the thing that I have to start with is to make sure my heart is right before the Lord today. That, that I've talked with him about the way that I am and what I am doing and where I'm investing myself. And then I've had these conversations and then out of that connection with him, I'm gonna operate through my day and I'm gonna have realistic expectations that you know this is what I can do, this is what I'm called to do, and this is what I'm going to do. Because man, we, we waste a lot of our time on things that we should eliminate. Like we, 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 we have these moments that we're in, there's these awesome moments with our kids and our families that we miss. And I know that I'm guilty of this as well because it's like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm learning more about what's going on in the Middle East and I don't know what's going on in front of me in my living room. Like we're, we're in moments and we're missing them. And there are lasting consequences to being in a moment and missing it. One of our friends, um, he, he was, you know, standing there and it was a pretty important moment and he, his mind wandered elsewhere and he let out this big old yawn <sighs> as his wife was walking down the aisle in her wedding dress. Do you think she ever let him forget about that? No. His mind just kind of slipped off a little bit and he let out a yawn, wasn't thinking, and she rounded that corner and he let out this big old yawn and, and it's followed him. And it's one of those things that when you're in a moment, you need to recognize where you are because if you allow your mind to wander elsewhere, it's gonna have an, a lasting impact. And, and we have these fleeting moments, whether you have young kids in your house or whether your kids are grown and moved out and now it, it's you guys just together alone again. You have these incredibly important moments where you have opportunities to convey your love and your appreciation for the people that God has given you in your home. And I wanna challenge you, church. Be present in these moments. Allow yourself to rest in the moments for what they are. And I think that one of the ways that we have to do that, one of the ways that we allow Christ's rest to reign in our life is we have to choose what is important and eliminate what is not. We have to choose what is important and we have to eliminate what is not. When I go back, you know, this, this idea of we've got to look and we've got to make choices, it reminds me of Joshua chapter 24 uh, where Joshua is just making this statement where he's, he's speaking to Israel and he's saying, okay, some of you guys are serving the gods of your ancestors, uh, these foreign gods, but we have to make a choice as a nation. We have to make a choice as a people. And he, and he just makes that clear and beautiful statement. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
Now, we can make that statement and we can make the overall declaration, me and my household, yeah, we're going to serve the Lord. In your household, are you leading your people to serve the Lord? What does that look like in application? I think that one of the applications is you've got to find the right times to have those theological conversations where your kids or your spouse sees you open scripture and you talk about it together. Where you talk about the implication about the way that we live our life, the way that we use our resources, the way that we use our time. Is it building up the kingdom of God? As for me and my house, we're, we're going to serve the Lord. And so as we serve the Lord, there's things that we have to eliminate to make space for the things that matter. There, there needs to be restrictions of time that we can't do everything, but we need to be doing the things that matter most. You know, there's, there's entertainment things that I would love to watch, but there's times where I have to say, okay, this is, that has to stop because this is what matters most. My, my wife and I, were, we were traveling this last week. When we got home, I, I was tired from traveling, but my son was tired of not having me around the house. And it's one of those moments where it's like, oh, you're a pastor. You better go do the stuff you're supposed to do, Paul. I mean, that's one of the voices. But the other voice is just like, but I, I know that a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, what I'm going to want to have decided is that instead of just relaxing and watching something on Netflix, that I get my butt on the floor and go build some Legos with my son. And so I have to eliminate some things. It's not bad as recreation. It's chilling out. But I have to make sure, okay, Eliminate the thing that doesn't matter and choose the thing that matters most. So church, for you, for your household, for you, not for your spouse, for you, is there something that you need to eliminate so that you have space to do what matters most? You know, in the passage we're looking at today, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. This, this illustration of taking a yoke upon you, it, it's a callback to using oxen. And when, when they would put the oxen together, there's two things that would happen. First of all, two oxen together could, could, could actually pull more than just double of what one oxen could pull, which is just an interesting thing in itself. When the two work together, they could accomplish far more. But what they would do when they were pairing an oxen up, they would put a younger, untrained oxen with an older oxen that knows what to do. And when you think of farming, even then, their mind was trying to create as much efficiency as they could. And if they had an untrained oxen that was pulling, behind, pulling the plow behind it, all of its lines would end up curving and they would end up wasting space and wasting land. It's one of the reasons why they wouldn't just use younger oxen, but they would pair them together with a mature one. The mature one was bigger, it was stronger, and it would show it the way to go. It understood how to respond to its commands. It understood the direction that it would go. And so once you pair this younger oxen to an older oxen, if it tried to slow down, the older oxen would pull it. If it tried to speed up, the older oxen would slow it down. And so when Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you, it's giving this illustration that he's saying, connect yourself to me and you're gonna move at my pace. Which makes a lot more sense when you take into the context of the passages before it and afterwards, where he says, come to me if you're weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. And he says, and then take my yoke upon you. Like that sounds like more weight. That sounds like more work. Well, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna show you the pace. I'm gonna show you the pace and I'm gonna show you the direction. And I, I, 
I believe that one of the results of getting closer to Christ is that the relationships that surround you in your life, they should grow in health and depth. I believe that when you yoke yourself to Christ and you follow his ways, that it's gonna impact the way that you speak to them, the way that you love them, and the way that you see your moments with them. And so the children of Christ followers, they should be able to rise up and say, my parents are involved. My parents are engaged. The neighbors of Christ followers should be able to rise up and say, my neighbors are always helpful. They're always kind. They're always understanding. Because of our time spent with Christ, because when we try to go ahead of him, he slows us down. When we try to fall behind him, he speeds us up. He keeps us in straight straight paths when we begin to go off to the side. And this is that concept of the yoking that we see with Christ. Take my yoke upon me, upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. When you do things God's way, your soul experience, experiences rest. And that's the type of leadership that he gives. And as this is being compared in context to the Old Testament law that he's talking about the burden that was upon them. And then he contrasts it to the leadership that they'd seen. The Pharisees, they were haughty. They, they were mean. They were rude. They were judgmental in the way that they treated people that were below them. And he's saying, as you learn from me, this is going to be the heartbeat that you see, that I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. And then in verse 30, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is what you're going to see, and this is what, what you're going to sense, and, and this is the, the third thought of, I, I want you to sense God's presence and recognize his voice. I want you to sense his presence and recognize his voice. The more that you're around him, the easier it is to hear and to see. The easier it is to feel and to know. But this is one of those things that until you begin to put into practice spending time with God and listening for his voice, and, and I'll also clarify this, that when I say hearing the voice of God, he primarily speaks to us through his scripture. As you open up his word and you read it, he will guide you. It'll be a lamp unto your feet. It will guide your path. It, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll pierce the divisions of spirit and soul. It will work in your life. And the more time that you spend in it, the more that, that you're going to be able to recognize him speaking to you from scripture. God's call, I believe that there's times it's like God will stretch you as he calls you, but he won't crush you. He, he, he will expand what he calls you to do, but he's not going to feel like, he's not going to bring you to a place where you feel absolutely spent. Following Christ is not always easy and simple, but there should be an element of saying, as long as I am close to him, as long as I am yoked to Christ, that whatever he calls me to, it's going to not only be better, it's going to be the best. It's gonna have the most rest. It's gonna have the most joy. It's gonna have the most peace. It's gonna have the most impact on the people around me. And I know that if you're here today, you have a heart for your household. I want any of the fears that you have of, you know, if I slow down and if I spend time with God, then these things will be done. I want to make sure you see that you have to slow down. You have to spend time with God. 
You have to enter into his rest as you live this life because everything else that you want for your household is gonna be better when you're spiritually better. And so, you know, the, the term home for the holidays, and band, you guys can come on up as I close this out. Um, the, to- the term home for the holidays, I don't want you to be at home and be absent this holiday. I don't want you to be at home and miss an opportunity to say all the things that you feel in your heart and appreciate your family. I don't want you to be at home, but be far away. I want you to be so present that people would call back to this holiday and just remember, you know, do you remember, you know, everything was a mess, the turkey got burnt and we were starting to freak out, but then they just, they, they wouldn't let, like they made us actually stop and pray together and read the Bible story together. And like everything was going off the rails, but they, they stopped and brought it back which was totally uncharacteristic for them, but that Christmas they did it. Maybe you need to start a new tradition as far as how you guide your family, or maybe it's an old one that you just need to strengthen, but I want you to be home for the holidays in a way that your faith is interjected in there and it's a foundation for the things that have been built because the further along we get, the more we recognize how temporary this experience is. We only get our kids for a little while. We only get those friends for a little while. We only get those neighbors for a little while. We only get our parents for a little while. And I wanna tread carefully on this because I know how closely attached it is to so many of our hearts. I've done the thing of, you know, this is the first holiday without that person. And I think that it shakes our heart because, you know, maybe that person's been gone for three months, six months, or more than a year but when we get to the holidays that was a time where we always huddled together the way that a family should and so when we get to Christmas without them it's like our heart misses them a little bit more the sense of family that we feel at Christmas is stronger and that's a good thing I want you to fan that into flame I want you to remember and recognize this is a great opportunity to tell, tell them how much I love them. This is a great opportunity for God's love and God's truth to flow through me to them. This is my home. And next year, my home is gonna be different. And the year after that, my home is gonna be different. This year, whatever it is, however it is, whoever is around you, let's let the peace of Christ reign supremely in our households. We have an opportunity to be a blessing. Let's not miss it. Father, we are, we are thankful for your peace. We're thankful that we can come to you in the middle of a mess and we're weary and burdened and you say that you're gonna give us rest, not judgment. And so help us this season to give rest and peace and love to those we interact with and not judgment either. And I wanna just ask a special prayer pray that your spirit would be strongly with those who are missing a loved one this holiday for the first time. And for hearts that are hurting because of that separation, would you just continue to bring people around, continue to bring your church around. And whatever the circumstances of this holiday may be, may we lift up your name in the way that we treat each other. In Jesus' name.